Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. We're in chapter 2 of Ephesians this morning, uh, continuing our series just on Ephesians. going to walk through the book of Ephesians. If you have your notes, go ahead and pull those, that sheet out. We're actually going to jump right down to the slide that says point number one. And it says, we are saved by grace. As we're reading through Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 1, it really talks about um, who Jesus is and how he was raised from the dead and placed, and the Lord placed everything under his feet. And Ephesians 2 kind of goes right into who we are. And right at the beginning it tells us how um, in the first couple verses it just says that as for you, you were dead in transgression and sin in which you used to live. And when you followed the ways of the world and of a ruler of the kingdom of the air and the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Just want you to know that's talking about the devil. And he's talking about who, this is who we are. Before we have Christ, before we receive Christ, this is who we are. And I don't know about you, but if you can think back to when you were not serving the Lord, um, I can speak of myself, this was me. And so Jesus came to restore us to relationship with him. And I want to talk to you this morning, and we got three points to go through, but I want to talk to you mainly chapter two talks a lot about God's grace. And many of us in this room, we have received God's grace, but I don't know if we fully understand God's grace in our lives. So in Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to read at verse 4, it says this, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in transgression. It is by grace that you have been saved and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from, your, for, from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that anyone can boast. I want that to sink in for a moment. Verse 8 says that we don't earn salvation. It's a gift. There's nothing you can do to have salvation in your life. You can't witness to enough people. You can't do enough for God. It's a gift. You actually just have to receive it. He wants you to have it. You don't have to earn it. He wants to literally give it to you. Too many of us try to work it out and strive for something. There's so many people that believe they need to get something correct before they enter a relationship with the Lord. Can I tell you something? Without the Lord, you won't get it correct. The difficulty is what we're missing in our lives is the Lord. The reason we struggle is because he is not in us. Now, when he is in us, will we still have tough times and struggles? Yes. 
That is why as Christians who have already received Jesus Christ, if anybody is sitting near you or invited you here this morning or is your neighbor and they are a Christian and they tell you that they don't struggle with anything, they are lying to you. Therefore, they struggle with lying. (laughs) It's our pride that will stop us from being honest with one another. Now, I understand, I've said it before, we don't bleed in front of sharks, so we don't tell people everything that's going on in our lives. We don't hang our dirty laundry out on the line. We don't post it on Facebook. But what we need to do is be honest and confess to one another, hey, I'm struggling. Hey, I had a rough week. Too often, I think, we've said this before, but too often do we pass each other on the street, do we see each other in a store or see each other Sunday morning, and we say, hey, how's it going? How was your week? My week was great. I slept on the couch all week because my wife and I are fighting the whole time. My kids hate me, and I think I'm going to lose my job. My week was great. Now, would I unload all of that on somebody that I don't really know? No. By the way, that was hypothetical. (laughs) Just to clarify, I'm pretty sure I'm not losing my job. As for the rest, no, I'm joking. Um, (laughs) Totally joking. If you're new with us, I like to joke. Um, But what... Are we being honest with one another? And by being honest, we can actually allow people to understand that they can enter into a relationship with the Lord because once they get in the relationship with the Lord, that's how they actually are able to get their life more on track. Because I don't know about you, but my prayer is every day that I'm on the right track and I don't derail. I always pray. You'll hear me pray to even hear about our church and leadership, but I pray over my own life that Holy Spirit, keep me in step with you. Because I actually don't want to be ahead of you, but I also don't want to be behind you. Do you realize that if you're constantly in step, every step should be a step of faith? Because if I'm in step, that means I actually don't see the step before my foot hits. We hit at the same time. See, if I'm following footsteps, it's easy to follow. But if I'm stepping at the same time, I'm in faith every step of my life. Now, there's two sides of that coin. It's a little nerve-wracking. It's a lot of fun. And God says, come into a relationship with me. Let's walk this through together. See, it's interesting that we don't have to strive for it. Mark and Luke, in their books, they actually record the same situation, and they actually, interestingly enough, record it the same way when they talk about the rich young ruler. A lot of times there's a lot of differences, but in this one, they actually state the same thing. When this young ruler comes to Jesus and says to him, what can I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus rhymes off, like basically the whole 10 commandments. Here, do this, 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 and this, and this. And the young ruler goes, I do all that. I've done that my whole life. And I love the way Mark records it. And Luke says the same thing. And uh, this is Mark 10, 21. And Jesus looked at him. And loved him. And said this, one thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. See, he followed every law. He followed all the rules. 
And then Jesus says he loved him enough to go, I'm not number one in your life. I'm not number one. See, Jesus then goes on in, this, in the same chapter, he goes on to explain to his disciples that it's hard for any rich person to get into heaven. And he uses the example that it's easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than a rich person to inherit the kingdom of the Lord. Now, most of us, when we hear the eye of the needle, we think of a sewing needle and a camel. It doesn't seem impossible. It is ridiculously impossible. It's hard enough to get thread through there. You can lick that thread. You can do whatever you want with that thread. It is tough to get through there. But see, Matthew Henry, he actually explains it and if you look at the history of a lot of the cities there, they had big, big walls all around the city. And at night, they closed the gates, the main gates, to make sure that everybody was safe. But how many people know that people travel and you might be late, the camel's got a, you know, flat hoof and you got to change it? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. All right. And so you're trying to get there. There's a lot of pee breaks, so you're late. Anybody, all the, all the men understand what I'm saying? Like, you're, you're late. It's not your fault. You get to the city, but you got to get inside because you want to be safe. Well, a lot of these cities had, a, had another gate, and it was called the Eye of the Needle. And it was small that you could walk through. So what basically means is you can get through it, but an army's not going to invade you through this. But to get a camel through it, you have to strip the camel of all of its luggage, and the camel is taller than me, but it actually has to get down on its knees. And they have to work its way through the eye of the needle. So it's not impossible, it's just really challenging. And I think sometimes we miss, have a misconception when it comes to money, and I just, for some reason I felt like I need to share this this morning for somebody in the house that if you have money, it doesn't mean you can't get into heaven. Because see, we misquote scripture and we say money is the root of all evil and it's not. Because scripture actually says in 1 Timothy 6, for the love of money is the root of all evil. So here, the rich young ruler, it's not that he had money, it's that he had a love for money. So I just want to explain that to you. Sometimes we, we look at Christians who have a lot of money, we're like, mm, I don't know about them. It's like, no, God is blessing them. Because how many people know that there's things around that in ministry that needs to be done for the Lord, and it takes money. Yes, prayer, but money. And so God uses it. And so it's not that money is evil, it's the love of money. Hopefully that helps somebody. So the camel can get through, but it just has to get stripped of everything. Do you remember we talked a few weeks ago and we were talking about following God on a walk with the Lord and we get to a narrow, the path is narrow and also the path gets a little narrower and he asks us to drop some stuff to walk it through this path. This is what it is. If you have a love for money, you're not going to fit through the eye of the needle. But if you love the Lord, then you don't mind leaving it behind. And when he was asked to leave it behind, he went away sad because he couldn't do it. It's only by God's grace that we enter into heaven. Only by loving him 
And him loving us and delivering us do we get into heaven. There's nothing we can do to earn it. And I don't know about you, but there's actually a relief in that for me. To know that I don't have to strive. How many of us in the room, how many of you have children? I'm not going to ask how many people have parents, because, well, you all have parents. So if you have children, I want to talk to that, because I don't want to talk about your parents. But can you imagine if your children felt like they had to earn your love? I don't know about you, but that would break my heart. That would crush me. I remember years ago when we first moved here, Miles cut Emma's hair. You laugh. Melissa was not laughing. Because Melissa had just done, like, French tight braids along her hair. So when he cut it, he was smart and went right to the head. Yeah, see, now everybody's like, ooh, hold on, this ain't funny. So she, he cuts it right short, and when she comes down, it's still in braids, so you're kind of like, your hair looks a little weird. What's going on? And so she goes, Miles, cut it. <laughs> and so Melissa starts taking this out. And as she starts on braiding it, the tears are flowing. This is Melissa. Tears are flowing. <laughs> Because as she pulls it out, like one whole strand's in her hand. And so I'll put a plug in. If anybody could fix it, I knew Jillian could. So Melissa went and saw her and fixed Emma up, and she looked beautiful. But as before Melissa went to leave the house, she was upstairs getting ready, and Miles is sitting beside me. And I'm talking to him as any dad would, like, dude, you did something bad. <laughs> like, I keep my head shaved, but that is not something that girls, like, do for themselves. And so we're talking it through, and I was being a little more serious with him, don't worry. But all of a sudden, I said to him, Miles, you understand that we still love you. And his face looked like it was shocked. He was only four at the time. And he couldn't differentiate between the part of, yeah, no, no, you did something wrong. You're in some serious trouble. But my parents still love me. And I think in our relationship with the Lord... There's times that when we did something wrong, we think that God hates us. He doesn't. He still loves us. He brings correction into our life so we don't hurt ourselves. So Miles confessed to us and says, I, I didn't know that. So as Melissa's coming down the stairs, I catch her before she says anything because she's still crying. And, and so, so I'm like, hey, Melissa, Miles didn't understand the difference between being in trouble and us still loving him. And so we sat with him for a minute, and we, we explained to him that, no, no, we love you. You just made a, a bad choice, a bad decision. And so because of the confusion, Miles' punishment was, as Melissa and Emma were at the hair salon, Miles and I jumped in our pool and wrestled around and had fun together. Because as a father, I knew enough that my son understood he did something wrong, but he needed to be confirmed in the love of a father. And God wants you to be confirmed this morning in his love. It doesn't matter what you've done, whether you cut somebody's hair or you cut somebody. God wants to confirm you this morning that he still loves you. He may not approve of what we do, but he still loves us. He still cares for us. The interesting thing is, is God will always 
bring grace into our lives. And it's not, there's no way that we get his grace by anything that we do or can do, or have done or can do. The second thing that God's grace brings us is God gives us empowerment. There's power that comes with God's grace. See, a lot of times we think of God's grace just as a covering, but God's grace is also an empowerment into us. We read in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says, but he said to me, my grace is significant, sufficient, well, whatever, for you and my power, (laughs) it's not happening, and my power is made perfect in weakness. I know, everybody's trying to say it now. I'm not gonna try. (laughs) My grace is that for you, and my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I boast all the more gladly about my weakness in speech and reading so that God's power may rest on me. God's power comes into us. His grace is enough and his power works through it. So wherever you struggle, God wants you to know he will give you the grace to get through it and in that grace, there's power and strength to help. Too often do we just want to sit back in his mercy and grace and not realize that we receive it so we're strong enough to do things that he's asked us to do. Strong defines this in his book. He defines grace as divine influence upon the heart and the reflection in the life. So there's actually supposed to be a reflection of his grace. It's not just in us. It's supposed to reflect out of us for people to see. John Bevere defines it as God's unmerited empowerment that gives us the ability to go beyond our own ability. He continues by saying God's grace gives us the ability to build his kingdom on earth And he quotes, those who try to build the house of the Lord labor in vain unless the Lord is building it. So unless the Lord is in us, he gives us the power to go beyond ourselves. That's his grace in our lives. When when God gives you a vision or a dream that you're supposed to do or he asks you to do something and you say, oh, that's too big for me. Exactly. It's supposed to be. That's why you need his grace to take you there. And when he empowers you with his grace, you need to follow through because he won't leave you hanging. And grace gives us peace. Point number three, grace gives us peace. Ephesians 2, verse 14 to 17 says, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier and dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law which it commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself a new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. God gives us peace. So therefore, if he is for us, who can seriously be against us? Realize that for a moment. Whatever's kept you up at night lately, maybe you didn't sleep last night. I know you know this verse, but I need you to hear it. If he is for us, who can be against us? There's power in that. There's strength in that. 
There's an understanding that you can stand because he is for you. He is with you. Romans 8 says this in verse 1. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Jesus came to die for us, to give us freedom from the law. It is his grace that sets us free. And since there's no condemnation against us, we should have sound minds. We should be at peace. I want to differentiate. God will convict you. He will tell you you've done something wrong. The enemy will condemn you. I've said it before, I want to repeat it because for myself, I have to remind myself of this all the time. If I have done something wrong, God will tell me what I did was wrong. He won't tell me that I am wrong. And I want to, I want to I'll explain that a little bit more. If I've lied, God will tell me that I've lied. He will not call me a liar. So there is a difference. The enemy wants to identify us as our sin, but our identity is in Christ. So he will convict you when you've done something wrong, but he will not condemn you. And so that is how I differentiate the two. Chad, you messed up, you did this, but that doesn't mean you are that. Because I am a son of God. I am a man of God. That is how I differentiate. So if you're trying to figure out in your head, yeah, but I just, oh. If you messed up, you messed up. So you did this wrong, but you are not that. Remind yourself even this morning, I am a man of God. Ladies, you are a woman of God. So therefore, have that confidence in the Lord. The grace of God brings us power and peace that we can live in freedom that Jesus came to give us. This is why he came, to restore us, to empower us, and to allow us to walk with him. So there's three things I want you to take away this morning. One, I am free. You say these out loud. Say it. I am free. free. And two, I am strong. strong. And three is probably one of the most important. I am loved. I am free. Oh, come on. Like, you guys don't sound free. I am free. I am strong. See, that one's supposed to be like, I'm strong, right? Like, little guys, there's got to be a little umph in there, right? So, I am, I am free. That's good. Little umph here. I am strong. Oh, there. See, that sounded stronger. Sounded really strong. I'm not sure how to do this one, so it's I am loved, everybody. See, I almost feel like that has to be softer than the I am strong, right? Like it's that awkward moment. But so I am free. free. Come on, I am strong. strong. And I am loved. loved. Now, if we fully grasp this and fully understand this, do you not feel already as you just kind of say those out loud and declare them over your life that you can walk out of here more confidently? Because what are the things that we need to know in our lives? That I'm free, nothing is restraining me, 
I am strong. I can do all things. But, oh wait, I am loved. So I don't have to worry. Those are the three keys. So let's pray. Worship team, will you join me? So Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for touching people physically. We thank you for touching people in the, emotionally, Father, and mentally. Father, I pray that as we understand that we are free, that we are strong, and that, Lord God, we are loved by you, that you will strengthen us today. You will help us to walk out of this place, Lord, knowing who we are in you, and that we can walk with our heads up because of the grace in our lives. And so, Father, we give you this week, and we ask you to speak to us and through us in Jesus' name. Let us be a light for you. Guide us, Lord. Help us to share your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 